Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. Together. Hello and welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast for smart women who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne journalist Zara McDonald, that would be me, and Michelle Andrews. Why are you dancing? I'm just, like, excited. Happy New Week, everyone. Happy New Week. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, Kanye West would like his wife Kim Kardashian to stop being sexy, please, and thank you. Then, how two of the most hated radio personalities landed the biggest pay packets in Australian media history, and our thoughts on PR guru Roxy Jasenko's Paddington Poo Jogger. But first, Michelle, how was your week? I had a great week. I am full of beans. I am so ready to start another week. The weather is beautiful. I'm looking out at the CBD, but we no do bees. Get, we get like a slither. We don't get many bees in the CBD, but we do get slithers of the sky and it's looking really beautiful right now. <laughs> so a lot of skyscrapers and a little bit of sky. So we've gone from uh, flowers to bees to I'm just appreciative of the sky. I'm a big city person though. You know how people <laughs> love nature? I love the city. It I, calms me. It soothes my soul. Do you think you need to be one of either? Because I think I'm one of both. Really? You love the beach? I wonder if we could just put the beach out the front of us right now amongst the skyscrapers, if that would be your ideal setting. That would be lovely. Anything else happening with your week apart from, you know, admiring the sky? Um, I really enjoyed the response to my column. I didn't enjoy my column because that would be very (laughs) egotistical of me to say. I did enjoy the response. I put a thread in the Facebook group asking for people to share their little life mishaps with me. And I say little life mishaps because I suck at little life things. I'm not talking about work or relationships or anything of critical importance. I'm talking about life admin stuff. I suck at it. For example, I have three light bulbs in my apartment. And as you know, Zara, my apartment is a shoebox. It's tiny. So there aren't many light bulbs to be replaced. Three need to be replaced and have needed to be replaced since about March. And I've just perished for the last six months in darkness, as has Mitch. So I got people to... (laughs) I got people... Not hyperbolic at all. Ooh, hyperbolic. And we're only a few minutes in. Hello, hyperbolic. You're welcome. So I had people come in and console me and share their own mishaps. And my favorite was from listener Blanche, who said she renovated her house a long time ago. I think it was like 18 months ago. And her partner and her decided to repaint everything. They got halfway through repainting their house and just stopped. And ever since they've had a half painted, half unpainted house. And I love that. I think that is the definition of me. You too suck at life, admin Zara McDonald. I think I might be worse than you at it. I think you you like have a tendency to lose things as well. 
An average day will see you lose your keys about four times, lose your Mikey card. It's a frazzledness. I think the thing that I do that annoys me the most that I still haven't fixed is refusing to register my Mikey. So every mm. time we go and get public transport, I'm like, fuck, I have no money on my Mikey. And you turn around to me and said, but you promised to register it last week. And I said, I, I, did, <laughs> I did promise to register it last week. I also didn't do that. But that's the story of my life. I also think, oh, you can't be good at everything. You're a fair a- evader. You're the fair evader. No, I don't you know fair evade. I, I have to top up at 7-Eleven. We make ourselves... Oh, yeah, you make me deviate every time. Deviate or detour? Yeah, probably detour. <laughs> I do have a recommendation that I strongly recommend. I know every recommendation we strongly recommend. This one is probably my favourite watch recommendation in a really, really long time. Everyone needs to go watch Hustlers oh. at their nearest cinema. It is such a good movie. I saw all the great reviews for it. For those who aren't familiar, it is basically a movie about stripping that stars people like J-Lo. It's the movie that we were talking about that J-Lo is getting Oscars buzz for. Oh, she should absolutely win awards for that. I don't think she'll ever do a trashy movie ever again. She killed that role. It is such an awesome movie. I turned to my friends halfway through. I went with a group of my school friends and turned to them halfway through and said, this is my favorite movie ever. I mean, it's pretty ballsy to say halfway through a film, but I stand by it. Do you remember when you came onto the mics a few weeks ago and said, I really should stop saying the thing is the best thing of the year and the best thing of the season? This this is a caveat to that. Hustlers is the best movie I've seen almost ever. I have heard wonderful reviews. Yeah, you need to go see it. How was your week? Tell me all about it. My week was wonderful. I spent it with you. We hosted a wonderful launch of the Moscato One with Brown Brothers, which was a really fun time. I think that was a good form of self-care for us to get our makeup done, be in cute outfits. I feel so refreshed after I have a day like that where I actually feel good about myself. It's a good point because a lot of the work that we're doing at the moment is not particularly glamorous. We're holed up in our office working on a few projects that aren't really very public. So it is nice to actually get out there and get dressed up. Maybe it is a form of self-care. Perhaps that's not a bad call, Michelle. Mm. I do have one recommendation. I read this beautiful piece by Kate Lever in Future Women this week. Um, And it was about marriage, interestingly. And she interviewed 10 different people on why they decided to get married or why they didn't decide to get married and her lead was one of the most perfect summations of marriage to me that I had read. Can you read it to me? Do you have it? I do. She said, marriage is an act of hope. It's knowing what broken love feels like and risking it anyway. It's knowing that the worldwide divorce rate is 41% and still choosing to walk down that aisle. It's knowing that a legally binding contract cannot protect you from failure and wishing desperately that you're exempt all the same. I find one of the stats in that piece really interesting that in America the divorce rate is 50%, 42 percent in the UK and it's only 33 percent in Australia. I wonder why we are lower. Yeah, I would actually like to spend a bit of time unpacking that, but I did find this interesting. It's forced me to self-reflect a little bit and we have conversations between each other and I know I do among my friends about why I'm still interested in getting married, knowing all of these things, like having Mm. no real reason to get married, no push to get married, but still feeling a desire to do so. And I'm still at this point in my life where I can't work out why my mind or my heart wants to do that. Yeah, because we're not really the type to think a lot about our wedding day, are we? You know how there are some women who plan out their wedding day meticulously from the age of about 16? We've never been that tight. So I wonder what it is about marriage that we find so alluring. Because apart from that, it's basically just a relationship right now, but with a piece of paper that means that you have to give over half of everything you own at the end of it. Well, exactly. And I think this Kate Lever piece was the first time I thought maybe it is just as simple as hope. Like maybe it is as simple as being that close to somebody and that contracted to somebody that you believe it can last forever. 
whatever. Mm. Anyway, really interesting story. I would very much recommend that. I'll put it in the show notes. For now, Michelle, shall we get on to Kim and Kanye? Absolutely. For those who don't watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians or read any trashy tabloids, this week, Kim and Kanye's fight over the Met Gala, more specifically her Met Gala outfit, was everywhere, Zara. Do you know what the fight was about? It was about the sexiness of her dress. Yes. So for those who don't remember or didn't see photos at the time, Kim Kardashian went to the Met Gala in this nude latex dress that was designed to make her look like she was wet. It was a very wet, that sounds so gross. I'm not going to say, I was going to say teardrops, but like raindrops coming off her. Yeah. Little crystals dangling off her. She had a corset under the dress that was, of course, as all corsets are, designed to cinch in her waist and until it was basically non-existent. Kanye, the day before the Met Gala, because he has impeccable timing, clearly, decided to tell Kim that she was dressed too sexily for his liking. His direct quotes were, you are my wife and it affects me when pictures are too sexy. I just feel like I went through this transition from being a rapper, looking at all these girls, and then looking at my wife like, oh, my girl needs to be just like all these other girls, showing her body off, showing this, showing that. I didn't realise that was affecting my soul and my spirit as someone that's married and loved. The father of what's about to be four kids. A corset is a form of underwear. It's hot. It's like, it's hot for who though? I have to say, I know this is kind of a by the by and not the main point here, but he's not great at articulating his point. Like a Be lot a bit more eloquent, Kanye. I had to search for his points in there and until the last bit when he said it's like hot, but it's hot for who? It is a remarkable exercise in hypocrisy, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I can't be bothered getting particularly outraged because it's Kim <laughs> and Kanye, but it is interesting. This line in particular, you are my wife and it affects me when pictures are too sexy. I mean, what about his own film clip? Remember when she was basically gyrating on him on the motorbike completely naked? Like it was all well and good for her to get naked and be sexy when it sold his music, but when it comes to her and her brand, it's not okay. And I know he's talking about a transition and something was okay once, but now it's not okay then. I still don't think you can have double standards that close together. It's really interesting you bring up that music video because when we were in the gym together last week, I think we were together at a gym on Friday, wasn't it? And we were How's on the, the flex. Tre- I know what a flex, guys. <laughs> we work out. We were on the treadmill, and there was a video. There was a Kanye West video playing on the television above us, and it was "Touch the Sky," which was a music video he did with Pamela Anderson. This was 10 years ago. So I get that people can change and metamorphosis and blah, 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 blah. But he had Pamela Anderson dressed in the most provocative outfit for his music video. She was wearing a little white play suit and it was zipped right down so that when she ran towards him, you could see her boobs jiggling up and down. And obviously that was an incredibly strategic and tactical thing to have in his music video. Pamela Anderson's zip didn't fall. Yeah. I just find it so unusual that someone who has been very pro-sexiness and pro-female self-expression in what women wear can have such a 360. And it was the line that he said about her being his wife and the mother of his kids, as if because she's now his wife, he has some control over how she looks and her being his wife makes it that she can only be sexy for him. And the stuff about her being a mother of four, as if a mother of four can't be sexy and can't love her body and can't want to show that. And if she does, it should only be for his vision and for him to be able to see that. I find it very interesting, this idea of him saying, I've transitioned, like I've changed, and her kind of throwing back to that saying, well, you've changed, but I haven't. Mm. And I think there's a lot of ego in that. And I know it's not the most earth-shattering thing for me to recognise that Kanye West has an ego. But for you to change your perspective and expect 
everybody else to keep up with you and change theirs in the process. I thought Paula in our Facebook group on the thread that you put in there, Michelle, made a great point. She said, you can't marry Kim Kardashian and expect her not to be sexy. Like, it's true. He literally spent years profiting off the sexiness she was world-renowned for. Mm. Like, her brand helped his as much as his helped hers. And her brand is very much baked in sexiness. That's the woman that he met and that's the woman that he married. He then can't turn around when they've built this life and say, I don't want you to do that anymore. Yeah, and I don't think any husband can turn around and tell their wife or female partner what they can wear. I just think it's so off, right? And this all feels so self-explanatory, which is the most amazing thing of all. I think the other thing that's interesting to me is that he would routinely dress her in skin-tight spandex outfits from Mm. his Yeezy collections, treating her essentially like the face of the brand and his own kind of personal project or guinea pig. Mm. And I feel like I hate to be a broken record here, but there's benefit to this clip being released as part of Keeping Up With The Kardashians season. The show relies on tension being captured. And I do wonder, I'm not saying it's concocted tension, I just think it's convenient tension. Well, it's interesting that Kim Kardashian is the executive producer on that show, chose to include this storyline. I know that she would do anything for ratings and attention and this story definitely commanded both those things, but it did not depict her marriage or her partner in a positive light whatsoever. I mean, this is the guy that a couple of years ago in his album Life of Pablo had lyrics like, I bet me and Ray J would be friends if we ain't love the same bitch. Yeah, he might have hit it first. Only problem is I'm rich. Another quote he had about Amber Rose, who he used to date, was, my ex says she gave me the best years of her life. I saw a recent picture of her. I guess she was right. His commentary on women's bodies and women's attractiveness and women's sexiness has been so borderline misogynistic for so long. For him to do this 360 in the space of 18 months, two years, is so annoying. Like, get off your fucking high horse. It made him such a fuckload of money. Yeah, yeah, which makes it even the more difficult to swallow and unpalatable. I think it has to be insecurity, and I know that once again feels self-explanatory, but I think when we're talking about men commenting on their partner's bodies and clothes, like, in what world does what your partner wear affect you. Like I think those things are completely mutually exclusive. So to pretend or to argue that it does affect you literally just speaks to the fact that you're worried that somebody else is going to find them or love them or take them away from you. I absolutely agree. I don't think any male partner who is confident in himself and confident in the state of his relationship would find an issue with what his female partner is wearing. I think it speaks to a greater problem at play in the relationship more generally and I don't know. I don't think Kim Kardashian and Kanye West's marriage is going to last forever. And I've thought that for a long time. I did turn to you when this story was coming out on when we were sitting in the office and I said, how long do you think they feasibly have? I don't think long. Well, the stats are against them. And I don't say this in a necessarily nasty way. We did just speak before about the divorce rate in America, 50%. And then you add into that Kardashian divorce rate. Kardashian divorce rate, Hollywood divorce rate and normal divorce rate. Like the stats are against them. Mm. It is remarkable that they've lasted this long and have four children together. And that's not an indictment on who they are as people. It's literally just an indictment on the world that they kind of move around in. Thank you, next bitch. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. Every week we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity news cycle. I will be saying that in my sleep until the day I die. Zara McDonald, what is your first story for me? My first story, Sussex slip. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry apologise for their awkward typo, calling it a hiccup in a new Instagram post. That is from The Sun. God, how many times could you say Sussex slip in a row before you spark it up? It has a little like sexual connotation, don't you think? Mm. 
Sussex slip. Maybe it's not. Very, um, I don't like it. it makes me squirm. Yep. <laughs> Sussex slip. It doesn't take much to make you squirm. Yuck. Anywho, did you see this story around this week? I did, absolutely. Whoever wrote, I think it was a Maya Angelou quote on the Sussex Instagram page. However, whoever transcribed the quote and put it in the official royal setting and visuals typographic confused woman for women which is probably my favorite typo because i see it it all the time people always confuse woman a n with women e n Uh, my favorite's breath and breathe oh that's a bad one as well (laughs) it's always and i think i've brought this up on the podcast before confusing his and he's when it's a completely different concept and you just clearly are too far in over your head i do love how headlines roll with Meghan markle and prince harry's typo when it's not feasibly their typo we all know at the end of the day they have social media managers they have communications assistants like they have nothing to do with the instagram it's pretty funny that we just assume that like megan and harry are there sitting behind their computer typing up this quote and doing a fucked typo making their own bespoke memes (laughs) for instagram (laughs) that would be very endearing if megan markle's just sitting behind like a pc laptop typing out her own memes on PicMonkey or canva maybe she is maybe this was her maybe down to earth princess the people's princess i don't know how we got here. Story number two, Australian booksellers block sales of Ronan Farrow's book. That is from the New York Times. Admittedly, I'm not across this story. Why is it interesting? So I did mention Ronan Farrow released his new book called Catch and Kill last week. I still haven't got my hands on it. I really genuinely should. Ronan Farrow was very famously one of the core reporters that uncovered the entire Harvey Weinstein saga. And he has just released his book. It was released in Australia last week, but very interestingly, it was pulled from both the Booktopia and Amazon Mm. because one of the core storylines in that book is about a former Channel 7 journalist called Dylan Howard. Dylan Howard is now the vice president and chief content officer at American Media and it's alleged that he protected Harvey Weinstein to pretty remarkable degrees back when that story was breaking. Dylan Howard has threatened legal action because he did feature prominently in that book and a lot of booksellers went selling it, which just sucks. Yeah, that's really shitty. It also exposes how different the defamation laws are in Australia compared to a place like the States where there is freedom of speech. Yeah, and where it's a much bigger pillar of their society. Mm. I do think if you can get your hands on this book, do for this point alone. Like I think support really hard. To be honest, quite dangerous work too. Like Ronan Mm. Farrow's really put himself on the line, not just to break the Harvey Weinstein story, but to write this book too. So I'll try and desperately to get my hands on that too. Well, you need to because Me Too is like the content of the month for you. All of your October reads have been around the Me Too movement. Interestingly, I read a piece in The Guard this week about how Me Too literature is finally coming into its own. I think mm. all of the literature around Me Too is starting to drop and a lot of it's really good and really nuanced and really layered, like it's not overly simplified. And I think maybe I must not be the only one that's consuming it all. Anywho, number three, <laughs> from high to really low, your new favourite song is Kylie Jenner singing the words Rise and Shine. That is from Vulture. Tell me you're across this. I've seen the headlines and I've seen the memes, but I haven't seen the actual footage, so I'm confused. The memes in our Facebook group are amazing. Now, I missed this entirely, right? So this all came about because Kylie Jenner filmed an office tour of Kylie Cosmetics and Kylie Skin, which are obviously the two brands that she heads up and is the founder and CEO of. She took viewers around her office for about half an hour. And yes, Zara, I sat there for half an hour and watched the entire thing. I don't judge that. Sometimes you get sucked in. And also office tours, I mean, she's got a much bigger office than the one that we've just moved into with Shameless Media. So there was half an hour of footage to fill. 
It's interesting to see like how it takes shape and how a business lives in physical form. And she kept doing things like she kept repeating herself in every single room. So she'd be like, it's really important to me that we have pink detailing. So she'd take you around. It was a very basic minimalistic office, but there'd be like pink straws in a corner or pink lip glosses. And she's like, pink because Kylie's skin. It's like, yeah, you've told us that like 20 (laughs) times, Kylie. We're in the 25th minute mark now. But at the very, very end, she took viewers into Stormy's bedroom. She has a bedroom for Stormy at this mega office. And when she walked in to wake Stormy up from her afternoon nap, she sang the words rise and shine in this quite melodic form. I didn't think anything of it at the time. Watched the video, clicked off, did not give it another second of my attention. And all of a sudden, that two-second clip of Kylie Jenner singing Rise and Shine to Stormy has gone absolutely bonkers around the world. People are creating memes. It was the number one most streamed song or something this week. I have to say there's nothing that makes me much happier than like random moments going viral collectively. (laughs) I'll put the clip in here for those who haven't heard it. But that doesn't conclude the office yet. We have one last room to visit and that is Stormy's Playroom. So follow me. Okay, we're going to wake Stormy up and get out of here and show you guys her room. Rise and shine. There you go. What do you think? (laughs) I can actually see how something like that, particularly if it's Kylie Jenner, actually only if it's Kylie Jenner, would that go viral, but it's still funny. Is it going viral because she's a good singer? Do you think that sounds nice? I think people find it funny when others try to (laughs) sing well. I think that's absolutely a thing. It's like when you sing as well. Zara, for those wondering, is a chronic office singer. (laughs) And I've only started realising it. I mean, we've been working together for so long and we just got a speaker system put into the office. And every day we put on the same Taylor Swift album, Red, because it's the best album ever created. Of course. And Zara sits there and sings her little heart out. And I only find it irritating when you try to sing well. If you just embrace (laughs) yourself, if you just embrace yourself singing poorly, I'm all about it. It's too hard because I'm a good singer I you're can't. not oh, fuck. okay I love you and you have many talents singing not one of them fine but I'm good clicker along with my singing okay what's your next story number four Pharrell Williams condemns blurred lines years after defending the song against rapey criticism that is from the ABC interesting that he's come out against it now do you think he's simply come out and condemned the song because it's almost inexcusable to do anything else anymore. Yeah, I do. He said in an interview this week, I realise that there are men who use that same language when taking advantage of a woman. (laughs) (laughs) What? Did you just do the typo in real time? I did the typo in real time. Of a, wo- of a woman? <laughs> when taking advantage of a woman and it doesn't matter that that's not my behaviour. It just matters. This is not funny. Sorry. It just matters how it affects women. My mind opened up to what was actually being said in the song and how it could make someone feel. So, I mean, I respect people changing their mind. I do. And I think we will always say on the podcast, people should be welcome to change their mind. What I find a little harder in this scenario is that he did pretty furiously defend the song when backlash did occur back in 2013 when it was released. He said to Pitchfork in 2014, when you pull back and look at the entire song, the point is she's a good girl and even good girls want to do things And that's where you have the blurred lines. People who are agitated just want to be mad. And I accept their opinion. 
I think if you're getting that much brutal and aggressive and overwhelming criticism, it is your responsibility to listen to it and to understand then, not six years later when it's, like you say, completely inexcusable to not understand. Yeah. I just, I don't understand how even five or six years ago he could have stood by this. I think it might be a case of when you're so close to something and you've worked on something for so long it's so difficult to turn around and self-analyze and it might take time to actually remove the emotion from it and become a little bit less biased. I think if you've put that much of your soul, that much of your, I was going to say soul, but as if you're putting your soul into the Blurred Lies music video or lyrics. I know you want it. Oh God. <laughs> oh my God. I'm singing again. <laughs> it just comes out. But I think when you're that close to something, it's too difficult to be critical about it properly. I don't know because I wonder if someone criticised something that we had worked on and it was valid criticism, if I would actually be able to see their point of view until I had the gift of time and space. Yeah, time and space. We're talking a couple of days, Mm. not a few years. Like I do think it can be hard in the moment when your back is up and you have put a lot of work into it to turn around and say, no, you're right. But I think given a few days of thoughtful consideration, you should be able to recognise right from wrong. A little detour before you breathe in and go on to story five. What the fuck is Robin Thicke doing? these days he was the biggest star ever and then he disappeared he's so doing like reality tv really i think what a demise he doing the masked singer oh what that is such a fall from grace i mean was it grace he was doing blurred lines but that is such a fall down i'm googling now i hate when we google in um real time i love it i feel like it's a live show when we google in real time i actually can't i think he's a judge you know it's always depressing when you go on someone's wikipedia page and a few years are really chock-a-block with all the things that they did in their career and all these really glittery, amazing moments. And then there's nothing recently. It's like, ooh. I think he's a judge on The Masked Singer. So there you are. Interesting. Would you say that's a fall from grace? The Masked Singer is a wonderful TV show. Anywho, number five. (laughs) Jennifer Aniston broke an Instagram record and went viral for clarifying Rachel and Ross's relationship status. That is from Elle magazine. She literally broke Instagram. Jen it was Aniston. glitching, right? It was glitching. She broke the record, as you just said, for the most Instagram followers in the space of 12 hours. I think she hit 1 million followers five hours into her Instagram career. And Instagram started glitching because it isn't designed to deal with that level of following on one page. So I think her page was actually deactivated or something for a little bit there. Right. But it came back and she obviously shared that amazing Friends throwback, which was heartening because I kind of became convinced that the Friends cast were no longer friends with each other? I don't really think they are. Well, I don't know. If they're all posing together in a photo, they must be hanging out. To to be doing that 20 years after the show's wrapped means they at least must be amicable. Would you meet up 20 years down the track with people that you weren't friends with? (laughs) You may be right. It is nice to see them being amicable. I did just find it interesting. I read a piece in the Washington Post about how it's quite uh, deliberate timing for Jennifer Aniston to jump on Instagram. She's the star of Apple TV's morning show. Have you heard about this show? No. It's a new show with Reese Witherspoon as EP and it's got like Steve Carell in it too. And they're spending $15 million dollars Per episode. What? Yeah, getting this per made. Per episode? Yeah, and so it launches in the US, I think, at the very start of November. I'm not sure. I'm, I imagine it would be similar in Australia. What they, wait, wait, wait. What do they do 
on the show. So it's based off a a morning television show and it's people are suggesting that it's based on the story of Matt Lauer, who was the the Today Show host in the US who was who got done during Me Too for sexual harassment and sexual misconduct. Um so it is really interesting that she's popped this up now, what, a week and a half before that show launches. So it would have been in her contract a hundred percent. Because she had given quotes in the past saying that she did not want to be on Instagram, had no interest in social media. And you think for fifteen million dollars an episode the least they could do is get Jennifer Aniston on there. I wonder if she just called up her friends and thought this is a wonderful debut. I don't want to ruin your dreams, but it's just I just feel oh, like no, no, there's no. more at play here. You're not ruining them because I still really enjoy the content she's been putting up. I think she's actually kind of killing the Instagram vibe. What the cocaine too? Yeah, or don't. <laughs> People did take photos and screenshots of the phone that was sitting on the table in the back of the friends reunion shot. And people said it was cocaine it's and not. I just it's so not cocaine. It's so a reflection of something on the ceiling. Yeah, it absolutely is not. I mean, I do enjoy people's fan theories about what's actually going on on that phone. Regardless, the last thing I want to ask about this story is what did she clarify about Ross and Rachel's relationship status and also who gives a shit? It was as basic as we are on a break or they are on a break but or like, something to that effect. <laughs> why do people care about a fake relationship that's not real? Do people know it's know, not Zara, real? Why are you thinking so deeply about this? Let people have their friends throwback moment, including me. I enjoyed it. I would love a Friends movie. I'm not a huge no. reboot fan. Oh, Give no. me a f- you know what? What if I started my own petition? Friends no. movie. Oh, imagine if it went got like a million Two votes. people can play this game. Well, you also want Thank God You're Here to come back. Why are you acting like it's just Friends and not Thank God You're Here that you want? You voted <laughs> for Thank God You're Here to come back. Is it a vote or a s- signature? It's you a, have a signature, signature and you are right. So with that, I will end the quick and dirty there. Thank you so much. Kyle Sanderlands and Jackie O have signed the dotted line on what is thought to be the biggest deal in the history of the Australian media. The radio shock jocks have signed on with their current network, KISS, and extended their contracts until the end of 2024 and will be taking home, Zara, between 7 and $8 million a year, or that's $39,000 per episode, similar to our pay packets for Shameless. <laughs> <laughs> we are very rich. <laughs> Zara, it seems that despite half of Australia despising the pair, their audience share and pull is great greater than ever. Did the announcement of their new contracts and very healthy pay packets come as a surprise to you? I mean, I guess there are two elements to that question. Was I surprised by the announcement of their new contracts? Not at all. Kyle and Jackie O have a long, like a long tail in this game. Mm. Was I surprised by their very healthy pay packets? I was floored by these pay packets. And I would say we have a pretty good grasp on what people are paid in this industry or like a solid grasp on what jobs are worth. But $7 million for a radio show blows my mind. And that's minimum. Yes. So that's before we talk about them walking home with bonuses based on their performance as well. Like they have the ability to earn quite a bit more than this too. I just can't get my head around. I know this might sound quite stupid, but there's so many millions between 1 million and 7 million. <laughs> like it's not just a $2 million contract, $3 million contract, $4 million contract. They're not just on three or four times the average radio presenter. They're on like seven or eight times the average brekkie radio presenter. Like that is a huge stat. Yeah. Well, they're the highest paid Australian media personalities. Now for those who want a bit of context, because we have some beloved international listeners and I don't want you guys to feel lost. I'm sure Zara doesn't want to either. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> just me. Just Michelle doesn't want you to feel <laughs> lost. I can sort it out yourself. <laughs> now, Kyle Sanderlands is 48. Jackie O is 44. They've been working together since the early 2000s. They moved to a primetime radio spot for the first time in 2005. They have been on air together ever since. They are wildly popular, but despite that, they have also been named as Australia's most hated celebrities. They took out spot one, which went to Kyle Sanderlands, and spot two, which went to Jackie O, in a list published by the now defunct Zoo magazine for Australia's most hated celebs. Currently, they host Mornings with Kiss FM in Sydney. Side note, that's a kind of fucked list to publish. How fucked is that? But then again, it was Zoo magazine. Do you remember half the shit they used to publish? Conveyor of all things good and true. I would love to know who else was on that list. Like, who came third in that list of most hated Australian celebrity? so mean. Imagine waking up and seeing the PR release that you're the country's most hated celeb. Do you think you'd care if you were the country's most hated celebrity if you walked home with $8 million a year? I think if you have a heart and a soul and you're not a psychopath you would absolutely care the average person cares what people think about well, them the r- reports are that kyle and jackie o do care deeply about this particularly kyle sanderland so it is interesting mm. kyle and jackie o at sydney's like mish said top rating fm breakfast show they do have an audience share of 11.6 percent which is second only to 2gb's breakfast show which has an audience share of about 16.8 percent michelle who hosts 2gb's breakfast i don't even want to say his name alan jones so they earn more than alan jones i just think it is really curious that the two kinds of shows in Sydney that demand the most audience share are Alan Jones and Kyle and Jackie O because I would say I would argue they are of the same or similar ilk. Yes let's go through the Kyle and Jackie O rap sheet shall we? There is a lot of trash that comes with the treasure of the Kyle and Jackie O show. In 2016, they ran a Mother's Day competition where they gave away a boob job to a mother and her daughter. (laughs) It just sounds fake. (laughs) Like, this shit doesn't sound real. It's been 10 years since Sanderlands apologised for a segment with a 14-year-old girl where they made her take a lie detector test. She revealed that she had been raped when she was 12 and the way they handled that information was nothing short of catastrophic, I would say. Horrendous. Uh, There was also... Also an incident where Kyle called one Australian female journalist a fat slag. He called another Australian female journalist a fat toad. He has also told celebrities like Jess Malboy to lose the jelly belly, despite being a man who's been very open about his own struggles with weight in the past. He also said he faked a disability to cut queues at Disneyland and this year commented on air that the mother of Jesus was a liar who got knocked up behind a camel shed and that anyone who believed in religion was essentially an idiot. His quote for that was, dumb as dog shit for anyone who believes in the Immaculate Conception. I mean, I was paraphrasing, but sure. (laughs) I do. I have been racking my brain since this news was announced and I think we've been having conversations between each other about what it is about the Kyle and Jackie O show in 2019 that means that radio networks are fighting for them to stay. Like it's remarkable to me that that a show plagued by that much criticism and that much controversy can demand so much money. I think in an increasingly politically correct word, and I say that with inverted commas, I do think people must turn to them as an antidote to everything they dislike about our changing world. Like they love, people love the way that Kyle and Jackie O speak with reckless abandon because they do speak with reckless abandon Mm. and they say it like it is. I feel like people feel gagged and Kyle and Jackie O 
aren't gagged. I wonder too if it's not even about Carl and Jackie O not being gagged, but the idea that there are powers at above that are letting them speak so freely yeah absolutely well for all the hatred that comes kyle and jackie o's way they're the ones who are driving around in 1.3 million dollar cars i mean kyle sanderland's bought a rolls royce phantom just a couple of months ago they are living the like the definition of a luxurious lifestyle for all the people who vocally hate them there must be more people who love them and are just not so loud and forthcoming about that adoration so many people must feel so entertained and so spoken to and seen by Kyle and Jackie O that they do put them on their radio station every single morning when they drive into work or Zara when they're driving home from work because it's on in Melbourne, I think, around like 6pm every night. This is the odd thing to me and that it must be a pushback against PC culture. We cannot look at Kyle and Jackie O in a flat way and just say they're shit and we should hate them and they suck because they must be and they are very, very good at what they do. I think it is very intentional with the way they go about things. The show, in my mind, operates in a really seamless way. We actually put it on in Shameless HQ this week because we hadn't listened to Kyle and Jackie O in a really long time. We tend to flip the radio station whenever we get into an Uber and they have the show on. We don't naturally gravitate towards the content they cover. I'm not one for mother and daughter boob jobs. Don't know about you. But when we put their show on, it is very, very clear that the structure is that Kyle will say things that are outrageous and outlandish, and 99% of the time it is Jackie's job to pull him back into line. So she very gently softens the things that he says. She very much plays the role of the token woman in radio all across the country. I mean, the men are always given the scope to go a little rogue and the woman is always pulling them in. I mean, that said, these two are definitely on the more rogue end of the spectrum. But I agree with you. I think she plays the most important role in that show in that keeping the rogueness in check because people want the reckless abandon. People want the really rogue commentary, but they don't want it to get out of hand. They want it to be contained. And I think she creates that containedness. Yeah, so the outrage comes when I think Jackie O doesn't pull him back in and rein Kyle in in the way that she's supposed to in her role. So it's the 1% of times, for example, like the Virgin Mary comment where she actually giggled and laughed at all the comments he made instead of bringing the opposite point of view or softening what he said or calling him a jerk or what have you. I think the fact that they have the third highest number of media watchdog breaches over the last decade says a lot. They pull a lot of shit that brings them into trouble and that's the point. In an interview with the Daily Telegraph in 2016, Jackie O said, I think it's part of the appeal of our show. Everyone loves a scandal. It is that talkability factor. Totally. I totally, totally agree with that. I don't think they actually set out to be offensive. I don't think they sit in planning meetings and say, what can we say that's really offensive today? I think they're just given that free reign. I think producers and bosses at KISS say, you guys genuinely should say what you believe, no matter what that is. Mm. And I think they're encouraged to do that because that's the stuff that gets ratings because that is the stuff that people want to hear. Yeah, there is a great piece analysing the Kyle and Jackie O phenomenon in the Sydney Morning Herald. It's actually from 2016. Oh, I read this. This is by Mark Lello, and I'm going to read out a couple of his quotes because I think this piece summarised the situation so perfectly. Lello wrote, Kyle and Jackie O could dial down the outrage. They choose not to. Their bosses don't want them to. If they began treating everyone respectfully and doing tasteful segments, their ratings would drop. Management would haul them into their office for a serious talking to. This might be a shock to the change.org crowd who believe everything can be solved with positive role models in the media, but it's true. There are 600,000 Sydney siders who love it when Kyle 
mouths off. They see themselves as oppressed victims of a politically correct ruling class. I think that's so, so bang on. It's really interesting to me, right? When I was trying to do a bunch of reading on Kyle and Jackie O and I was just desperate for a few opinion pieces on why the show is so popular in Australia and very few people had analysed it, which I thought Mm. is a really interesting thing because I think it says a lot about where we're at in 2019 if these are two of the most popular personalities and also two of the most hated personalities. Like I think it says a lot about our culture. I think it says a lot about left-leaning snobbery, to Absolutely. be brutally honest. Because and the, silos. Yeah, well, the best analysis in the country in the likes of The Guardian and The Sydney Morning Herald comes from generally – very intellectual writers and those intellectual writers probably see themselves as above the class of people who listen to Kyle and Jackie O and I think that's a mistake because we are clearly missing something here. They have such a talent and such a command on their audience that it works and radio bosses and executives can't deny that because they bring in such huge numbers and such huge advertising dollars. They are also impeccable at creating a network of A-list celebrities. They Mm. call their shows like Breakfast with the Stars and they always really hinge their advertising and marketing off the A-list celebrity factor. They count people like Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban amongst their best friends. And I do think that's a talent that we really overlook with people in the industry and that Kyle and Jackie O get a lot of exclusive celebrity interviews. They get a lot of really high-profile interviews and that's huge for publicity and PR and that's a skill that should be commended. Well, it's kind of what came first, the chicken or the egg. Were they really good at celebrity interviews, therefore celebrities came on their show and they got more power? Or did they cultivate that audience and musicians then flocked to them because Mm. they knew that Kyle and Jackie O could make or break their song? Conrad Sewell said that. I was listening to them this last week and Conrad Sewell was on the show and they were talking about how Kyle and Conrad have been very, very close. Mm. And Conrad said in order to do well in Australia, all you have to have is Kyle Sanderlands on your side to keep playing your song. So it is a bit chicken or egg to me. The other quote from that Michael Lalo piece that I thought was really interesting was he said that all publicity is good publicity in the case of Kyle and Jackie O. So he rejected that idea more generally, but said in the case of Kyle and Jackie O, that statement is true. I do agree. I think at the moment, most publicity for Kyle and Jackie O is good publicity, but I don't know if it'll be true forever. Mm. I think it's interesting that that piece, as you said, was written in 2016, because I do wonder how long can controversy drive a platform that might not be on the up it's Mm. not like radio super fresh and fun anymore like it's still strong and there's still a bunch of money in it but I do wonder does radio not demand more depth than that in the future I don't know I've been thinking about this a lot lately I think because we are young we have a tendency to downplay the role of radio and we also over exaggerate its demise I know that it's on the decline But the fact that this radio station can clearly afford to pay two of its presenters up to $10 million a year each means it's still an incredibly lucrative, successful industry. And I think the fact that I'm 25 and the fact that my career has been so secluded to digital media means that I almost completely disregard newspapers, completely disregard radio because I don't necessarily read it myself. That doesn't mean that when I'm older, I won't be reading those things. Maybe I will naturally gravitate 
gravitate towards radio over podcasts. I, I really don't think that you will. Mm. I really don't think that you will. I agree with you in that I think maybe young people can over-exaggerate the decline of radio, but that's not to say it's probably not on the decline. Like I really think that if we're young people and we're not consuming it, we're not going to get older and gravitate to it. I think older generations are gravitating to it because they've always listened to it. It's a habit thing. It's a comfort thing. It's a familiar thing. Mm. But I don't think we're necessarily going to go back to it. So I do genuinely wonder what happens in the next five to ten years with radio when all of this money is being thrown there. I think it's a very legitimate question. I'm also curious about your thoughts on this. Do you think Kyle and Jackie O have such huge ratings in part because people hate listen to them? Do you think that's a thing that people would be tuning in because they hate listen? No, because people would tune in for like a few minutes to hate listen. You're not listening for an extended period of time. I really don't think. But the average radio listen is eight minutes long. But I just... Do you think so? Maybe. I don't it's, know. I, I, I do wonder if anyone hate listens to Shameless. <laughs> Please don't tell us if you do. I don't particularly want to know. <laughs> but maybe if hate following on Instagram is such a trend, then I can imagine that hate listening to people and seeking out content that you disagree with just so you can despise it maybe that's a thing. I don't know if it's going to account for their kind of popularity though. I think sometimes we hate listen out of jealousy a tiny bit. Mm. Like I do think hate listening comes down to jealousy and I I just don't know if Kyle and Jackie O demand that kind of hate listener. I think the hate listener that's listening to Kyle and Jackie O is doing it out of snobbery Mm. and then they will kind of turn off after a little bit. So I don't think it has any kind of relevance to their popularity. I do think Two, that they're able to get away with more because they live on radio and the feedback loop is probably less intense than it is for podcasters or influencers or people who live in the more digital realm. I think podcasts are largely built on community and I think for that reason you can get away largely with less because people are coming at you and holding you to account, which is what we really like. Mm. And that's not to say that there's not a huge feedback loop in radio. I think there is a huge feedback loop. I just think it might be lesser. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I will make one final controversial comment. I do find Kyle's openness about his pay packet and how proud of it he is refreshing. Seeing someone who's so unapologetic about being rich and being like, yeah, we signed the biggest deal in Australian radio history. Here's how much money I make. I'm worth it. Yeah, it's ludicrous, but this is our value in the market. I kind of like that. I actually do find it kind of funny. It doesn't throw me off, but imagine if Jackie O said those comments. Genuinely, it would be a completely different game. His quote to Channel 7 was, it's bigger than any TV deal anyone's done and bigger than any radio deal anyone's ever done. Like Kyle can say that, Jackie O can't. Last Monday, PR queen Roxy Jasenko released three videos on her Instagram page, of which she has 250,000 followers, of a woman running around Paddington, Sydney, um, relieving herself behind Jasenko's office. Upon posting the videos, Jasenko asked her thousands of followers if they knew who the jogger was. After headlines and fanfare, Jasenko removed the videos by Tuesday, but it did leave us wondering, was the jogger being gross or was Jasenko's behaviour grosser? Mish, what do you think? I am so torn when it comes to this story. I think my gut reaction to Roxy Jasenko's videos is worlds apart from my reaction with the gift of hindsight. I've had a full week to ruminate on this and I feel very, very differently about it now. 
Out of all the content I struggle with, I do struggle with like toilet humor like, and toilet content the, the most. We're the same. We're so similar with this, I reckon. So I feel a bit squeamish about doing this segment. So for anyone who struggles with toilet content, don't worry. We'll try and keep this segment as clean yeah. and as sanitized as possible. What did you think? I thought Jacenko's behavior was grosser, but I do agree with you that wasn't my gut instinct. I'm not going to sit on my high horse and think and tell people that I saw that video and was so outraged. I I wasn't. Mm. It took me a few hours of thinking about it and stewing on it to come to a point where I realized that it probably wasn't the right thing to do and it wasn't a good thing to do by any stretch. So for those who missed this, there was a stream of videos posted on Jacenko's Instagram account. There were three and they all showed this blonde woman uh, – defecating outside Jacenko's office. I do not blame a single person who watched that footage and laughed or said what the fuck or sent it to a friend because I did those three things. I actually sent it to you, Zara, totally. and wrote what the fuck in I'm- our private DM chat on Instagram. I think when you're scrolling past something in your feed and it is so disarming and arresting, you can't be blamed for reacting in the moment because you're only giving it a second of your attention. Well, shock does interesting things to you. Exactly. The person that I feel conflicted about is Roxy Jasenko because she was the one who clearly thought about this for days and then decided to post it. She meticulously chopped the footage. She was clearly looking for it. She found three different videos and then went to the effort to put that up. So I think there is a different expectation going on here. That said, do I blame Roxy Jasenko for being grossed out and offended and annoyed by a person pooing out the front of her office? Not necessarily. I would be pretty disgusted by that. Do we expect someone to be super rational if you're seeing a human poo out the front of the place where you work? I don't know if that's fair to expect that Roxy is going to be this mature, balanced person in that scenario. Uh, I think that's overstating the gravity of the scenario. I think there are absolutely avenues for you to uh, release that anger that doesn't include public shaming. Mm. I think public shaming in in 2019, we talk about it all the time, is one of the worst things that you can put people through because it's completely unraisable. I think like you just said, Mish, this is absolutely, this conversation is no indictment on the people who watched the video and found it funny, but it's absolutely a conversation about what sharing things in the public domain means in 2019. What is worth sharing? What does more damage than good? Mm. I thought it was interesting that in an interview, after she published these videos, Roxy said that the person doing this wasn't targeting her office. So she said, this isn't targeted. This is a person who's getting a thrill. Some people have sex on the beach. Some people shit in the street. I just think it's interesting that if she wasn't feeling specifically targeted by this, Mm. why she then needed to target somebody else. Yeah. What troubles me about this one is that in the middle of 2018, there was a Brisbane poo jogger. People might remember this. There was one man who did this exact same thing at the front of an apartment block in Brisbane. He did it 30 plus times. He was caught. There was an actual photo of him bending over with his face in it, and that was released to the media and it went viral and went all around the world again. He was identified, I don't want to share his name because I don't think it's relevant, but he was identified as a corporate executive and he lost his job over this. Again, even as I say that, part of my brain's like, yeah, well, he's pooing in the street. But it's not about doing something absurd. I think it's actually about what's going on in somebody's life in order to lead them to that point. Mm. I don't think this is people getting off on thrills, to be totally honest with Mm. you. I think if people were getting off doing this on thrills, you'd be doing it in a group. I think people will be wondering as we have this conversation, 
why let it through on your Facebook group then if this is how you feel about it now? And I think we let it through in our Facebook group for exactly the reasons that we stated at the start. At the start, we didn't think about it as much as we've thought about it in the last week. Initially, I thought that there was a conversation to be had because Roxy Jasenko was one of the most famous people in the country. Mm. Is that an overstatement? No, I don't think so. One of the most recognisable in certain circles. Well, certainly amongst our demographic, which is young women, I would say that Roxy Jasenko is a huge personality for shameless listeners in particular. Exactly. And I think the woman in the video or in the screenshot that was posted in our Facebook group wasn't identifiable either. But with hindsight, I do feel conflicted about that thread. I think we were still, even though we argue and we can argue with each other that her face wasn't identifiable, we're still directing people to watch that footage. I'm genuinely not sure what I think. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's wrong. And I think that's good for us to recognize in that we will make calls that I still don't know are right or wrong some days later. Yeah. I wonder if it boils down to defining what kind of deviant behavior affects other people and is it helpful to share it online which I know it can be a little bit draining because some people just want to be able to do things and live their lives without always thinking does this help the world but I don't think anyone could argue these kind of videos do help anyone right certainly not the person in them well I don't even know if it's about what's helpful to the world I actually think the more important question is what's unhelpful to Mm. the world Mm. yeah well what's harmful yeah right It is true that such deviant behaviour that falls so far outside our boundaries of what is normal and what is acceptable in the public domain must be tied to some kind of vulnerability or some kind of impediment or life situation where someone must be in a really dark, really troubled place to be doing this. And someone could not be well, whether that's mentally or physically, to be behaving this way in public, right? Which does make me feel a little bit guilty about that thread in the group. We did actually disable comments on it in the end because we didn't want it to keep going and we didn't want it to go down a path that was nasty, even though we don't know who we're really being nasty towards. I would hate for this woman to be publicly identified and then have her career destroyed because of it because we don't know the situation. We don't know what's going on in her life. We actually had people reach out to us, which was what made us disable the comments on that thread and said, I actually know this woman and she's not doing well. And there is so much more backstory to this footage that you cannot communicate on social media. And if people knew what's going on in this woman's life, they would not be behaving this way, which made me feel a little bit sick. Well, a hundred percent. And I think that's a huge reason and a huge part of why we've sort of done a little bit of a 180 on this. I think the other thing that I found really gross about the entire saga is Roxy plugging Metamucil Mm. after it. She did some sort of weird, potentially sponsored video with Metamucil. It had to be sponsored. She's a PR queen. After it, leveraging off public shaming somebody? Yeah, well, this was on Friday on her Instagram story. So she got up there on her Instagram feed. Wow, Jesus. She got up there and stood next to a guy dressed in a poo outfit costume thing. Fuck, I hate that word. I can't even say the P word without I haven't. Up. I haven't said it once this segment. I'm surprised oh, you've said it like three times. I really hate it. You, we have to say it. <laughs> it's the story. So she's standing there next to this guy in this costume and talking about the – Uh, person running around the streets and then all of a sudden whips out this Metamucil can or jar and it becomes this ad. I do think that's kind of gross because she deleted those videos and she acknowledged that they weren't helpful and that they could potentially do harm to people and yet still wanted to make money out of it, which I just... 
I don't know. I also roll my eyes at the Metamucil people for jumping on a story like this. I just think it's a little bit uncouth. It does make me think a lot about where my line is with regards to what's worth sharing, what's worth public shaming and what's not. For example, I don't have as big of an issue slash any issue with someone like Clementine Ford publicly shaming the people that sent her rape and death threats in her DMs because how else does someone like Clementine Ford get her power back in that scenario? I think for me, it absolutely is about power. I would argue so strongly that even in this scenario, without sharing that video, Roxy Jasenko still has the power because mm-hmm. she's not as vulnerable, I would argue. She has a lot of money. She has a lot of people around her. And she has resources at her disposal to to find a solution to this problem. It's called the police. It's called other things. This is a real David and Goliath battle to me. Yeah, I do really wonder what you guys think on this one. So please do come into the Facebook group and talk to us about this segment and all the other segments we covered today on our thread because it's always your comments and your commentary that really intrigues me and I think it's really insightful as to how the average woman feels about this we have almost 30,000 people in that group so it's always a great touch point to see what the average person does think yeah and if we're sort of on the same wavelength or if we've just completely missed the mark (laughs) I do think though the one final point that I want to make is I'm not saying though that if you or I are put in a scenario where we kind of see something funny on the street and we want to film it that we wouldn't just immediately put it on our Instagram story without thinking I think we absolutely would be capable of doing that Um, because I think things are funny in the moment sometimes that aren't funny with hindsight. I think everyone is capable of that. And so I think these conversations are really, really important to be cognizant of that fact and maybe stop ourselves in the moments when we're laughing immediately after feeling shocked and starting to analyze our thoughts straight away. Another buzzword, cognizant. We ticked both off in this episode. We haven't said that word in ages. Welcome back, cognizant. Good to have you. (laughs) Guys, I think that is all we have time for for today's episode. Thank you for reaching the end. I know we haven't said this in a while, but we really bloody appreciate you guys. Every time we meet you in person on the streets of Melbourne or you leave us a nice comment on Instagram or join our Facebook group, we really bloody appreciate it. We are so grateful for this community. You are all so respectful and kind and lovely and intelligent informed and yeah we are very very lucky to have you all listening so thank you very very lucky if you do want to join in on the conversation as always we are on facebook at shameless podcast community we are on instagram at shameless podcast michelle do you have anything else to say the best way to support the show is to subscribe on apple podcast or click follow on spotify you can also do that for our other podcast reality check if you click subscribe or follow for reality check we will love you forever and ever and ever we will be in your ears on thursday Day. Endeavor. Endeavor. <laughs> Endeavor. Bye. <laughs> See ya. Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish, Stylish, if you want to say it quickly, style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. 
there is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.